sports? Do you like beer? Do you love sports and beer? Then you're exactly where you need to be. This is the Hughes Views and Brews Show on 1252 Sports Chicago. Cheers. What is up? How's everyone doing on this Monday night, the day after the Bears season opener? We're going to talk a lot about that. Uh, it was not pretty. It was not, uh, it might have been what you expected. Um, it wasn't nearly as bad as I thought it could have been. Believe it or not, it could have gotten a lot worse. Welcome on into Hubes Views and Brews. Uh, was off last week with Labor Day and now we're back. We got a nice run of uh, uh, shows here. We also got a special show coming up on Saturday. With me and uh, Fat Mike, we're going to be over at Nick and Ivy introducing a, a new beer, the Hubner. That's right, an American IPA. We're going to do a podcast probably around 3 o'clock on Saturday afternoon. You can head on over to Nick and Ivy. They are going to be tapping the beer on Fridays. And um, on Saturday, we'll be out there doing a podcast, no doubt talking about the Bears, talking about beer, and a lot of other things with uh, Fat Mike. we got tons of stuff to get into. Um, and I have a beer for today. I always try to start the show with a beer. The only show I have not done with a, without a beer is when my heart was in, um, ah, my, it, it's out of rhythm, you know. And as a white guy, I'm always out of rhythm, let's be honest. So this one is called Ocean Key. It's from Hop Butcher, Citra and Muteca Hopped Milkshake Double IPA. Ooh, it's a double. With pineapple, key lime, and vanilla. Okay, yeah, it's a little bit of a uh, sweeter beer, okay, but that's okay. I'm a sweet guy. Plus, I've all uh, I've already had two today for um, I guess you'd call it an early dinner. My girlfriend Linda came over. We went over to a place called Three Corners. I know there's one in Lamont and there's one in a couple other places. We've got one right here in uh, Downers Grove, right on Main Street. So uh, I had a buffalo chicken wrap with a um, Bell's Oktoberfest. And then had a crankshaft, uh, Kolsch beer from uh, Metropolitan. So that was very, very good. This one, I've had this before, but it was on sale the other day. Saw it at Benny's. Oh, it's very tasty. Uh, the, you can taste the pineapple, the vanilla. I like the lime. The lime gives a little bit of a bitterest, bitter taste near the end. Um, really, really tasty. I bought a four-pack. I know. I know. Right now, Orange and Brew, Eric and Orange and Brew, and Patrick at Open Bottle, they're saying, really? You went to Benny's? And I had to go to buy something else there. And then when I walked in, they had them very well placed right near the uh, checkout line. So I grabbed a four-pack, threw it in with the other things that were I was buying. And uh, I knew I was going to save it for today. First one I've had of the four-pack. I know you don't believe that. It's uh, me holding off on a four-pack for a couple days. But with the hot butcher, I like to drink two and set two aside for future drinking, you know, in case you want one on a, you know, uh, you got nothing going on one night, you want to pound a few, you go and go and find some other things instead of something that you just bought. Hmm. Yesterday was an interesting day, first day of the NFL season, and 
I realized about the first quarter of the game why I don't like fantasy football, why I don't like wagering on games, because I'm not good at it. But it does lend some excitement to the uh, contest, to the games. A lot of good football action yesterday. A lot of bad football action yesterday also. Uh, the 49ers, the other team of mine, had a nice, comfortable lead. They gave up 16 points in the final two minutes of the game to make it interesting. Some people lost on that game because they had the Niners laying nine and a half in the pool, in the parlay I had, I had them laying seven and a half, so it was fine with me. But then I took the Atlanta Falcons, who were miserable yesterday. But football's great. It's great to have football back. There's a lot of young rookie receivers that are doing very, very well. I know it's just one weekend, but Jalen Waddell catching a touchdown pass, Jamar Chase catching a touchdown pass, Devontae Smith with a touchdown reception. And a lot of times, rookie wide receivers don't do all that well early in the season. Still learning, trying to get off the uh, the bump from uh, the cornerbacks. But just wait till rookie wide receivers play the Chicago Bears. They'll have no problem getting off. They may have a problem getting off the cornerback, but they'll have no problem when they get into the secondary because the Bears' safety suck. Eddie Jackson is brutal. Eddie Jackson, and I've been saying this for two years, Eddie Jackson does not know how to tackle. And we also saw that Eddie Jackson doesn't know that when a receiver goes down to the ground by himself, all you got to do is touch him and he can't get up and run. Yesterday, unbelievable how bad that was. Van Jefferson catches a pass, runs past these guys, Tayshawn Gibson and Eddie Jackson, goes to the ground. Both guys just kind of sit there and go, ah, Eddie Jackson had his hand out like, oh, yeah, I'll just wave at him. That's not good enough. You got to touch him, Eddie. You got to touch him, number four changing your number. They should change your number to zero. You're a big zero as far as I'm concerned. Awful. So bad was this uh, safety play for the Bears yesterday. The cornerbacks weren't all that bad. I know it's tough to say when you give up that many uh, yards passing, but the quarterback or the cornerbacks were not that bad. Jalen Johnson, also Kendall Vildor. The guy that played the slot corner, I think his name is Marquis Christian. <laughs> Marquis Christian. You better remember his name because I can't believe he'll be around long. He wore number 23, and that's embarrassing to Jerry Azuma. That's embarrassing to anybody that's ever worn number 23. Okay? I said Jerry Azuma because I was a big Jerry Azuma and I. We did shows together and things like that. Anybody that ever wore number 23, it's embarrassing to see this guy out there. He was falling down on the ground. People were running past him. Yeah, I know. Devin Hester. I usually leave him out. Uh, yeah. Another 23, but it was so bad. Marquis Christian, and it would be it would help if the Bears linemen could ever get to the quarterback. They did once. It was a shared sack from Robert Quinn and Akeem Hicks. They should share a sack. Um, it was brutal. They didn't get to the quarter, quarterback. Now, Matthew Stafford has known how to pick the Bears apart for years. Okay, He's been able to do it for a long, long time. He didn't have a lot of help. Now he's got the L.A. Rams, and it's a good team. He's got some good receivers, and uh, we saw that. They finally, in the second half, went to Cooper Cup. They went to Woods. Um, they didn't have much of a running game, but they didn't try. They knew they didn't have to yesterday. What a lot of people are wondering about is, how was Justin Fields going to get in at all? Was Justin Fields going to get any playing time? Matt Nagy said they were going with Andy Dalton. He didn't want to use Justin Fields. I knew going in that he was going to use Justin Fields somewhere along the line, and he did. That's right, Kurt. Sean Gale, another number 23. 
Um, he did use uh, Justin Fields early on. Justin Fields ran five plays. He never ran two plays in a row. Five plays. The game starts off. Khalil Herbert, first of all, I can't stand when guys take the ball eight yards deep and run it out of the end zone. And I'm sitting there going, really? This rookie is going to run the ball out from eight yards deep in the end zone. And what's he do? He takes it out to the 43. Okay. How many times is that going to happen? If it happens a lot, then the Bears have a decent special teams, which they've not had under Chris Tabor over the last several years. Very first play, uh, Dalton hits Moody for four yards. Hand off to Montgomery. He goes 41 yards. You know, this is awesome. First and 10 at the 12. And what happens? Uh, no gain. Damian Williams. Then Fields comes in, second and 10, and he hits Marquise Goodwin. A nine-yard completion. It's now third and one. They're going into the end zone. This game could not start any better for the Chicago Bears. And Cole Komet, false start. And it was nice that Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth were talking about how loud it was in the building. But you're a second-year tight end. You're down, at the, you're down deep in territory. You cannot, you cannot false start okay I know I know that he didn't mean to he didn't want to um so then the Bears have to call a timeout not very much into the game there's 12 minutes left so the three minutes into the game Nagy's calling a timeout third and six Andy Dalton drops back pass deflected intercepted in the end zone no points no field goal no nothing all that goes for naught and then it's the play where Stafford hits Jefferson a couple plays in, and the cornerbacks, the safeties, run past him and don't touch him. He gets up, goes 67 yards for a touchdown, 7 nothing. That's the way Chicago Bears football has gone for a long time. We had a caller, I, uh, someone just sent a message, a question, and said, do I think that Fields should be starting ahead of Dalton? I really don't. Chris from Skokie. <clears throat> I don't think so yet. Okay? This... Dalton did not play badly. And I know every, we, I had a caller on the radio show last night on ESPN 1000. I was doing the postgame show. And they said, how can you say that Dalton didn't play badly? He didn't do this. He didn't do that. I said, listen, Andy Dalton ran the plays that Matt Nagy called. He wanted to make sure he got rid of the ball quickly. He did. He didn't go downfield. That's not Dalton's fault. That's Matt Nagy telling him, throw the short passes, get rid of the ball quickly. We're worried about Aaron Donald. We don't want you to get sacked. We don't want anything bad happening. I thought Andy Dalton did not play badly. David Montgomery had a great game, but after the first three runs, they kind of stayed away from him for a while, which made no sense. He's running the ball. He's ripping up that uh, defensive line. He's getting into the second level. Why do you stop running the ball with him? But a stat came out later in the day. The longest pass from scrimmage that Andy Dalton threw was 16 yards. He threw one Let's see, five of the 38 passes he threw were 10 yards were from the uh, 10 yards or more. Just five of the 38 passes. I saw a route sheet of Allen Robinson. And Allen Robinson yesterday, he caught six passes for 35 yards. If you're going to have Allen Robinson and you're going to pay him any kind of money, let him go downfield. Let him go down the sideline. Let him run a crossing route. Let him do something. And the Bears offense with Matt Nagy not allowing him to do anything. The most yards on the receiving end was Marquise Goodwin, four for 45. Cole Komet had five for 42. 
Mooney, five catches, 26 yards, just over five yards per reception. The Bears, yards per pass attempt, 4.4. The Rams, 11.6, almost three times as much as the Bears. Now, I know a lot of that has to do with the catch and run, and but Stafford was throwing the ball deep, and the Bears refused to do that. And until you do, it's going to be difficult. Now, the five plays that Justin Fields was in for, nine yards to Goodwin, a reverse to Goodwin for minus two yards. It's just, come on. The reverses, there's no reason for the reverse. Matt Nagy, smartest guy in the building. The shovel pass to Allen Robinson, no reason for the shovel pass. The fake and the touchdown run, that was nice. You fake the handoff, roll right, go into the end zone. J.P. Holtz with a couple of nice blocks there. That was wonderful. And then a handoff to David Montgomery for five yards. That was nice, too. Uh, Ariana from Oak Lawn wants to know, should Matt Nagy continue calling plays? And do you think he should be fired at the end of the year? Well, it doesn't look like he's going to be. I don't know that he's going to be let go. The Bears management, I want to say brain trust, but that's that's not right. The Bears management really seems to have a lot of confidence in Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace. And so I don't think he'll be let go. I think he'll still be around. Will he give up play calling after doing it last year and then taking it back this year? If he does, it won't be till halfway through the season. I can't see him doing it soon. They'll have to be having a bad record near the middle of the year, and then it's a possibility. But otherwise, I don't see it. That's what he came here as. He came here as an offensive play calling caller, offensive genius. I don't know. That's stretching it a little bit. But he does not deserve – I mean, he, he just doesn't call the right plays. And I know they're trying to be safe. They've got Andy Dalton. They don't want to turn the ball over. They want to help their, have their defense – play well. Their defense isn't playing well. you got to score points. We saw what happened. They lose 34-14. It doesn't matter what you do. You've got to do more than you did yesterday. Seven points in the second quarter, seven in the third. That's not nearly enough for the Chicago Bears. Um, so, but again, Andy Dalton, I didn't think played poorly. I thought he did okay. 27 for 38, 206 yards. His passer rating was around 79. Uh, he completed what he needed to complete. He didn't make any bad throw. The bad the throw into the end zone got tipped and intercepted. Then there was a play where he um, he got hit. Looked like a pass. They called it a fumble. It was up in the air. It was on a fourth down play. The ball was going over anyway, so it's not a big deal. Fields was two for two for 10 yards. I think you'll see more of Justin Fields as you go along, slowly but surely. Matt Nagy saying today that he thinks he's that's about how much you'll see all the time. I tend to disagree. I, I don't believe that. He also said that he wasn't going to play and that he played in five snaps. I would like to see him play consecutive snaps. That would be nice to see. Plus, when he gets a third and one after the nine-yard completion of Goodwin, why don't you leave him in on a third and one? Get up to the line of scrimmage. Let him run an RPO. Apparently, the pass to Marquis, Goodwin, was an RPO, and he found it, and that was very impressive. Really nice. Uh <laughs> Yeah, dumbest question of the night. Could you trade Dalton for Rodgers after Rodgers' game yesterday? Um, I, I'm the guy, everybody out there, hold your hands up if you took Aaron Rodgers in your fantasy league. I took Justin Herbert as my first quarterback, and Aaron Rodgers as my second. To be honest with you, Herbert threw for over 300, but you were hoping for a few more points. Aaron Rodgers was absolutely brutal. Nice to see. Um, you know. 
The answer is Aaron Rodgers. The question is who had one of his worst games of all time, if we're going Jeopardy style. So the rest of the Bears, I guess a bunch of other notes here real quickly. Montgomery had a great game. Give the ball to Montgomery. Nagy has said he'd like to give him uh, 20 touches. Okay, he ran the ball 16 times, 16 times for 108 yards, and he caught one pass for 10. Now, remedial math tells you that's 17. That's under 20. Get him the ball 20 times, if not more. Get the ball in his hands. He was making things happen. And that's the one thing. It's so frustrating. That and the short passes, no downfield shots. And I don't mind when a, uh, a head coach goes for it on fourth down. Fourth and one, fourth and two, fourth and three. Heck, fourth and four. Fourth and 15, are you out of your mind? You have Cairo Santos. After all those, after two years ago, we sat here and waited and listened to all the crap about finding a kicker. You've got Cairo Santos, the guy you have confidence in. You're down by 13 points. Ten minutes to go in the game. You're fourth and 15. Kick the field goal. Cut it to 10. Anything can happen. You need points. Points on the board. <laughs> points on the board. And it's like, come on. you got to get points on the board. I couldn't understand the 4th and 15. I was watching Twitter. I was watching it, and I said, I keep laughing because they keep putting up Carlos Sanchos. Um, so you look at it, and I don't understand what Matt Nagy thinks he can do on a 4th and 15. There's no way. You're not out of the game. There's 10 minutes to go. You know how many points people can score in 10 minutes? The Rams had 14 in the third quarter, okay? You can't be doing that. Back to the defense. Eddie Jackson. There was a part in the time of the game yesterday where Alec Ogletree got an um, unsportsmanlike conduct penalty, and Eddie Jackson was yelling at him. If I'm Alec Ogletree, I tell Eddie Jackson, get back and play some defense. Tackle somebody. Leave me alone. He is such a brutal tackler. And I heard a soundbite earlier today. It was from something that the flagship station did. Jeff Joniak was interviewing, or they had an open mic in practice. And Eddie Jackson was talking to the other players. And he said, listen, we got to be ball hawks. We got to get those balls. We got to force turnovers. Anybody can tackle. We got to get the ball. We got to take the ball away. We got to strip the other guys. Eddie, that's your problem. You can't tackle. And then you think you can strip the ball. You think you can take the ball away. And you can't. You're a brutal safety. Absolutely brutal. A guy that was a pro bowler, a guy that I think was an all pro at one time, just absolutely miserable. And I hope Eddie Jackson can hear all of the people, not only media people, the Bears fans, just criticizing him for not doing what a safety is supposed to do. A safety of his, quote, caliber is supposed to do, because absolutely brutal. The defensive line not getting anybody. And Khalil Mack, they put up a stat, uh, a, a shot yesterday of Khalil Mack and Aaron Donald. This was before Donald's one sack of the night. Aaron Donald for the game had three tackles. Khalil Mack had one. Okay. Neither of these guys. The Bears and Matt Nagy have done a pretty good job of slowing down Aaron Donald. And I think that's one of the reasons they throw so many short passes. Matt Nagy's concerned. Aaron Donald's going to get through the line. And because of that, he throws the ball sooner, throws the ball quick, short passes. Aaron Donald can't play much of a factor of the game. You know what? You got guys in the line, they got to block them. They got to figure it out. 
you got to go deeper than that. You can't just keep throwing the short passes. And uh, yeah, there's no way you can. So, but Khalil Mack, I'm so tired of it. The He made his money. He's played well. I don't think he's dogging it. He's been hurt. He just not, does not get to the quarterback. And Matthew Stafford knew he was coming. He got rid of the ball several times when Khalil Mack was getting there. But didn't, don't you think someone knew that Chandler Jones was coming? He had five sacks yesterday. There are other guys that get double teamed, get triple teamed, and they get to the quarterback. Khalil Mack doesn't, and that is very, very frustrating. The Bears have an interesting schedule. They started on the road, then they play at home against Cincinnati. Then they go to Cleveland. Then they come back home against Detroit. Then they go on the road against Vegas, and then they come back home. It's a home road, home road. I don't think they have a two-game two games in a row on the road or at home all season long. Bizarre schedule for them, getting on planes, getting off planes. But Cincinnati and Joe Burrow, not going to be easy. Jamar Chase running through the secondary for the Bears coming up this Sunday at Soldier Field. Then the trip to Cleveland. I know Fat Mike and some people are going to Cleveland and are going to go to that game. I watched the Cleveland-Kansas City game, and the Browns were up 22-10 at half. The Browns were having their way with the Kansas City defense. They were doing what they could do. Um, Baker Mayfield had a so-so game, but they have so much talent on that team that they were playing well, and then they just could not. Second half, Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill take over, and they win the game. I think it was 33-29 final score. So the Cleveland game is not going to be easy at Cleveland. Coming back here to play Detroit, Detroit was miserable for, let's see here, in a football game, there's 60 minutes. Detroit was bad for 57 of those minutes. And then in the last two and a half minutes, they scored 16 points and made the game interesting up in Detroit against the 49ers. And then you go to Las Vegas, the Vegas Raiders play it now. And of course, Josh Jacobs having his leg looked at. He's another guy I have. So, you know, all my guys start getting hurt. That's what happens in fantasy football and the beginning of the season. Randy says the Bears will be lucky to win five games. I don't know. I think seven or eight is probably what they're going to do. Um, and now with 17-game schedule, seven, seven and ten or eight and nine, not nearly good enough to make the playoffs. But we'll see how long it takes before uh, Fields does come in. One more sip of the beer. So a lot to talk about with the Bears. And I understand that a lot of Bears fans keep saying nothing's going to change until management changes. Okay, the McCaskies have owned the team. George Hallis owned it. George Hallis giving it to the McCaskies as he got older, passed away. Uh, yeah, Roquan, by the way, another message here. Roquan had, uh, had been a quiet star on the team. Roquan had a good game. He was flying after people. And um, he's without Danny Trevathan now, so he's on his own. I thought he played very, very well. Uh, I know earlier in the year there was a lot of people that were surprised he didn't get into the top 10. I'm sorry, top 100 players right now. And the way he plays, he's coming ready to play. I think he was the only defensive player that talked after the game yesterday. So I love what Roquan Smith is doing. And in the preseason, Al Gogoltree looked really good. I'd have to go back and watch the game. I didn't want to. I didn't want to punish myself by watching the game again today. Usually I do. I watched the entire game yesterday down at the radio station before the postgame show. I'll look at it again, I'm sure. Maybe we'll talk about it on Saturday when Mike and I are doing our show from Nick and Ivy. 
for the release of the Hubner, the American IPA. I cannot wait. It's going to be very, very cool. So don't forget also the Fat Mike uh, Chicago Sports Show, the world's best fantasy show on Sundays, the Fat Mike Show Wednesdays, Rob Steen, the Schuster Express on Sundays. Uh, a lot's going on here in the 1252 uh, Sports Group, Sports Entertainment Group, and uh, it's great to be part of it. You can find us on YouTube. You can find us on Twitch. Uh, right now, you can always you can find us on Facebook. That may or may not change, but I know a lot of people find me there. And then usually the day after, you can find the audio on Spotify. And on all these sites, you can also go back and find the um, the previous ones in case you may have missed them. I've had an opportunity to talk to a lot of people that have covered sports. I had a lot of opportunities to talk to people that are, are big in the beer industry right now. People from Skeleton Key and Black Horizon and uh, boy, oh boy, op um, uh, Open Bottle in uh, Tinley Park and also in Lockport, Orange and Brew. So many different people I've had a chance to talk with, and um, it's great. So if you missed any of the earlier podcasts, you can always go back and listen to them there, and um, it's great. Driving around the car, listening to uh, some of the podcasts. Uh, final game of the opening week, um, Vegas Raiders in their big new building. It's nice that all these other places get big buildings, and we still have Soldier Field. Now, I don't care that Soldier Field, everyone says, oh, it looks like a spaceship landed into the, what do you call it? I don't care what a building looks like from the outside. I just care what the amenities are on the inside. And when I go to Soldier Field, if you sit in the 200 level, there's not a bad seat in the 200 level. If you're in the 300 level, you're probably okay. You're a little higher, of course. But the 200 level at Soldier Field seems to be some of the best seats I've had at any sporting event. Um, and yeah, it's old inside, but they, you know, it's landmark. They weren't getting rid of it. Uh, the Arlington Park thing, moving to Arlington Heights where Arlington Park was, we'll see. I don't know if that's something they're going to end up doing or not. Um, us Bears fans need to drink watching the Bears, Randy. Yeah, there's no doubt. Drinking's a good thing as long as you can stay awake. Some people I know didn't stay awake for most of the game or all the game, and that happens sometimes. Sometimes, especially with that Bears offense, you can get a little bored, a little run down, a little tired of watching what you're watching. So let's see. Oh, I did make other notes here. Swing passes slash bubble screens. What's the point of them? And do any other teams in the NFL run them? I was watching games, and I don't remember seeing anybody else run any of those yesterday. But you see a little bubble screen thrown from Andy Dalton to, let's see, I think it was to Marquise Goodwin, and you have Demir Bird trying to block people. Okay, Demir Bird's about 5'8", 5'7". He's a little guy. Fast, but little. There's no reason to be throwing these silly passes. It is the John Shoup offense from way back when. And I know when a lot of people say that, uh, they get upset. Bubble screens are the worst. Uh, the quick little swing passes are the worst. I want to see my quarterback throw the ball to a receiver on the other side of the line of scrimmage. I don't want to see him catch the ball behind the line of scrimmage and hope that he can get yardage. He doesn't do it. The reverse to Marquise Goodwin, I don't mind using that once in a while. First game, probably not the best time to use it. Uh, especially when they, when uh, Justin Fields was in. But we saw it didn't work, a loss of two. They're going to have to figure some other things out, too, because I'm going to get to the linemen in a second. There was one real bad call yesterday. 
Actually, you could say it's a bad no call. Allen Robinson on a third down goes over the middle. The ball, he gets hit before the ball gets there. No flag. Al Michaels, Chris Collinsworth, they all said it. They showed it again. A brutal call. A brutal no call. Something that could have helped the Bears get the ball downfield a little bit more, hold the ball a little bit more. I'm wondering how much of their play this year is going to be based on ball control. And for decades, absolute decades, when I used to work at the score with Doug Buffon, and he'd be there, and we would talk about time of possession. And this was back in the day. I think it was, uh, I was trying to say, listen, Peyton Manning doesn't always win the time of possession, but what Peyton Manning does is when they have the ball, they go down and score. Time of possession in football is a really overrated stat. When you dominate time of possession in your winning games, you, you use it in your, in your favor. But a lot of times, my thing is, time of possession doesn't matter. What matters is what you do with the ball when you have the ball. Not how long you have the ball, but what you do with it when you have it. And the Bears were just slowly, slowly moving the ball downfield making people fall asleep slowly. Here's another first down, boom, boom, boom. Dave Wanstead used to do that too. The problem with that is when it takes you longer to get the ball downfield, there's more of an opportunity for things to go wrong. And what the Rams did yesterday is go deep, go deep, throw deep. We can beat these guys. We're going to go here. We're going to go there. Tyler from Westmont says, uh, Bears have all these guys with speed and they're supposed to be able to create space and stretch the field, but they didn't run a play where they stretched the field. Yeah, it is really aggravating. And, yeah, I don't know if they were concerned about the offensive line. I thought Whitehair did a good job. Uh, Mustafer and Daniels played okay. I didn't see Fetty get beat much. And then the left tackles. Jason Peters is playing. It was so funny. Because on the broadcast, if you get if you do, if you did DVR and you went back to it, go and listen. Because on the uh, game, Chris Collinsworth is talking and he says, well, Jason Peters, you know, 39 years old, a pro bowler, an eventual Hall of Famer, and he's actually done very, very well for the Bears so far in this game. The next play, he gets beat. And I swear to God, it was the next player two plays later. And he says, oh, the Jason Peters thing isn't working for the Bears. <laughs> I was just laughing. It was funny. I don't mind Chris Collinsworth. Chris Collinsworth does a lot of film work. He does a lot of studying. Him and Al Michaels have a good time calling the game. It's a fun listen. But, uh, yeah, that was very, very funny. So Larry Borum comes in. Borum comes in, replacing Borum's a fifth-round pick, first round. I'm a fifth-rounder this year, and he comes in, and he gets hurt. He goes out, and they bring in Elijah Wilkinson. Now, Elijah Wilkinson is a guy that played with Denver and a lot of snaps over the last couple of years with Denver. Played okay. Didn't do terrible. Um, I don't think that uh, they lost the game because their offensive line was bad yesterday. I think they lost the game because their defense sucked. And they did not move the ball downfield. They did not try to go downfield. You're going to have to eventually go downfield. Hopefully they'll do that against Cincinnati and after the Cincinnati secondary. I've always hated when I've always hated when a team respects the other team's quarterback so much that they don't throw to his side of the field. It really started with Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders would be there for Dallas and for the 49ers, and it was like and Atlanta before that. It's like no one's going to throw to his side, so you're cutting the field in half. You're only going to throw to one half of the field. 
And so no one was throwing at Jalen Ramsey. Where last year, Mooney had Jalen Ramsey beat a couple times, and Mitch was unable to get Mooney the ball. This year, they didn't try and beat him. And they also have Jalen Ramsey playing a little bit of a different role. He's playing a little bit further up, and he's actually coming in on the quarterback. He's coming in to try to stop the run and things like that. So they have him in a different position because they know no one's throwing his side. I want to see the Bears test a guy. If you're testing a guy and he intercepts you, I'm not going to be the guy that says, you shouldn't have thrown that way. You know you can't beat him. No, you've got to try to beat him. You've got to try to beat the guys. Years ago, Champ Bailey was one of the big guys. He was a uh, played for the Washington Redskins. And I remember a game where the Bears had Marcus Robinson going on the right side, and they were through Marcus Robinson all day, and he beat Champ Bailey like four times in the same game. And I'm saying to myself, go to Marcus Robinson. Keep throwing the ball. It was so nice that they attacked the guy because Jalen Ramsey can be beat. We've seen it, and uh, it's nice to see the guys actually attempt it. Hopefully they will attempt it this coming week when uh, they take on Cincinnati. Um Let's see. Lots of other stuff. There's so many other things. I got a lot of beer stuff, too. I'll get to a lot of that after I talk to our, our guest. Um, but before we get to that, before we talk about beer, let's hear from uh, one of our sponsors, who happens to be the place we'll be at this Saturday at 3 o'clock, Nick and Ivy. Hello. This is Paul from Nick and Ivy Brewing Company. We are located at 1026 South State Street in historic downtown Lockport, Illinois. We are very excited to be partnering up with the Fat Mike Chicago Sports Show as well as the 1252 brand because we are one of the few Chicagoland breweries that embrace sports and sports culture. Come in for a fresh brewed beer made right here in Lockport while catching the game of your favorite team. Stay for the live music that we have booked every weekend or just come for a cozy atmosphere to enjoy a good conversation with a friend, loved one, or complete stranger. Nick and Ivy makes you feel right at home no matter what the occasion is. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for Nick and Ivy Brewing Company. Visit our website for our up-to-date tap list or to go shopping on our online store at nickivybrewing.com. That's N-I-K-I-V-Y brewing.com. Come in today for a fresh brewed beer born and raised in Lockport, Illinois. Yeah, looking forward to meeting some strangers on uh, Saturday, 3 o'clock. Me and Fat Mike will be doing a uh, podcast uh, talking about the uh, release of the the Hubner, a, uh, an American IPA, uh, six, I think a 6.4 alcohol by volume. And um, I get a chance to taste it, I think, later this week on Friday is when they're going to uh, start tapping it. And uh, we'll be out there on Saturday doing a, doing a podcast talking about that and a lot of other things. And uh, Nick and I be nice enough to uh, be the sponsor and uh it was it was nice a, a week or so ago to be at uh at fat mike's wedding uh it all happened it all worked and uh um i hope megan's happier now i hope mike can keep her happy and uh it was nice talking with paul from dick and ivy and his wife chrissy all night long we had a great great time at uh the wedding so uh looking forward to this saturday dick and ivy should be a good time come on out and uh say hi have a couple of uh, the Hubners and uh, whatever else they have. Usually 12 beers on tap, and uh, I've not found a bad one. I know I had the uh, Locktoberfest. I was there last week, and I also had one of the other ones, and uh, very, very tasty. Speaking of tasty beer, uh, if you're in the LaGrange area and you want a beer and you want some food, 
you may want to head on over to uh, Milk Money Brewing. And uh, it's nice enough for Eric Pizer from uh, Milk Money to join us here tonight on the Hughes Views. Hey, what's going on? How are you, Eric? Good, Fred. Good to be here. No, it's it's great seeing you. I um I stopped at Milk Money about two months ago. It was about a, a week or so after you guys opened. I know you opened in December, but because of COVID and everything, it was kind of a slow thing after that. So I stopped in one afternoon, sat at the bar, had something to eat and a couple of uh, beers. And uh, before we get into how you got involved in all the other stuff, one of the coolest things about the location of your place, along with uh, the two brothers, um, is the location. Because when they open those garage doors and you're sitting right there on the Grange Road, Nothing beats like it. It's so awesome. Yeah, people walking down, you know, families and just all the, the action that's going on. It, it, it's really pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, very cool. I remember I just, I parked, um, I parked in the back. I, I went all the way around came in and uh, just had a great time. There were a lot of uh, people there enjoying the food, which is a big thing, uh, which is interesting because it's, it's food and beer. It's a restaurant and brewery slash brewery restaurant. But I know I read the article in the Tribune the other day, and uh, food's a big thing over at uh, Milk Money, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's. I mean, beer and food, and food and beer, like you said, it's they're not one and one A or one and two. They're both just number one for us. They're they're both the, the things that we really focus on doing. You know, I make the beer, and then yeah, one of my partners, the two brothers, are Matt and Lucas uh, Bumba, and Matt is our chef, and so he he handles the food, and he's got a, you know some fine dining background, and he really has not put out something that doesn't taste fantastic yet. So. No, he hasn't. I, I wish I'd remember what I had, but I remember it was eating. It was great. And I know that uh, I can't wait to get back there. And it's funny, too, because if there was a picture of you and the two uh, brothers, uh, Matt and Lucas, we would know that you're the brewer because it must be a prerequisite to have a beard if you're a brewer, it's right? The only place I can like control where the air grows. So <laughs> I the best I can, you know? Well, and it's funny, too, because I was looking at some at your bio and some other information and I knew that you would come and you would work at Rock Bottom. I did not know that you were at 350 Brewing because I had stopped there, boy, what, could years it have been ago. four years ago? Uh, I've been gone almost five now, yeah. Okay, so it was probably it was, it was about a, it was probably in the first year that you guys were open, and it was great. The beers were tremendous there because uh, I remember I stopped there, and then I went to Hailstorm, which was not far yeah. down the road, uh, and it was, it was a nice place. How did you first get involved in it? Uh, well, 350 was uh, my uh, uh, high school buddy and my um, 350 was actually our college address. Uh, okay. place we had fun at. So, uh, you know, I was just a home brewer and uh, playing around in the garage and he'd come over and drink the beer and said, hey, we should open a brewery. Uh, and I said, no, I've got a nice job and this is fun. <laughs> uh, and we just did some like back in napkin math and, and figured out we could, you know, eke out a living at it. Not going to get rich, but we could pay some bills with it. So uh, what better thing to do than pay bills by doing something fun? So, you know, quit the job and did that. And then, uh, you know, I was there for a couple of years. Uh, we decided to part ways. I ended at Rock Bottom. Spent, you know, three-ish years there out in Warrenville. Uh, had a really good time there. Uh, realized I knew more than I thought I knew and learned even more on top of that. So it was a really great experience. And then uh, mutual friends hooked me up with uh, Matt and Lucas. Uh, they were kind of in process with this and, and we're at the point where, uh, asking favors of friends wasn't going to uh, get things the rest of the way. So they, they, they needed to bring on a brewer and uh, I was pretty interested in the whole idea as far as like the brew pub and, you know, that right. food was important, you know? Um, so here I am, here we are. 
we've been open since really the beginning of the year. But yeah, like you said, it was June before we could have too many people inside uh, and all that. So it's uh, it, it's been a whirlwind, you know. And because you're because there's food, you guys open. I think every day, Monday through Friday, uh, at eleven. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah so is, come back is, to lunch any, any day of the week. Yeah. Uh, we toyed with brunch a little bit um, on the weekends. Uh, summertime was a little uh, uh, awkward with that. We've got a couple of really good brunch places in town too, uh, so it was a little tricky to compete with that from the brewery side of things. We, you know, we, we weren't doing full breakfast; we were doing like a proper brunch. Uh, um, so we paused that. We might revisit that again in the future. Uh, we've done a couple of beer and uh, uh, beer dinners, beer and like chef pairing dinners. Uh, we got another one coming up at the end of this month. Right. Uh, just announced on the, I think the 29th or 30th, uh, we're going to do an Oktoberfest dinner. So I got a couple of German beers, a couple other beers, and we're going to have a, a whole uh, German spread. It's going to be fun. One of the one of the coolest things I was seeing when I saw your bio and reading it is that you like to brew what you like to drink, which is which sounds great because I know a lot of times there's people let's let's make this everybody likes this and you know the IPA craze the hazy IPA the milkshake IPA whatever it is but I was looking at the list of the of the beers and you like clean beers it looks like uh, and I would say clean I'm meaning there's some German beers there's lagers there's there's the Hefeweizen, uh, and Oktoberfest, the Kolsch. It seems like that's what, that's where your your strength is, maybe. I do really like the classic styles. Um, and the brew pub and food and in the neighborhood that we're at, I, yeah, I just have to have something for everyone. It's got to be really um, uh, accessible and simple and, and well, maybe not simple, but, you know, easy right. to, to get to. So, yeah, I, I really like a Kolsch and a light lager. Um, I saw a lot of that. Uh, you know, there's plenty of hazy IPAs and other IPAs and double IPAs. Got a big milk stout on right now. I'll, you know, Imperial Stout coming out soon. So I'll toy around with some other stuff, but uh, it's just keeping the, the faucets full right now. Uh, with summertime being so busy, it's uh, it's been a, a bit of a struggle. I'm by oh. myself in there, so it's, it's just sure. all me. <clears throat> because because of that too also uh, a lot of the breweries and when i talk to people i tell them where a brewery's at i'll say okay it's in this industrial park i remember the first time going to two brothers in wheaton it's like okay you got to turn a corner you got to go through the industrial park it's dark over there you got time you've been there you know, even when you know where it's at you can get lost exactly it's real easy but the one reason that i tell people the reason they have it that is because they need that kind of space how hard was it to find space where you're going to have a kitchen and enough for your brewery too in one in one place in Lagrange. Well, I lucked out that I came into this after that fact. Uh, they had found this. It used to be a Francesca's restaurant, so I, we okay. knew it was a, uh, a nice big space. Um, and even for as, as decent size that it is, uh, it it got tight quick. Um, I think I've got about six hundred and seventy five square feet in my brewery, uh, which is still between rock bottom and three fifty, the the biggest area that I've ever had okay. to play in. So. As small as it is, uh, it, it, you know, it's pretty good. But, um, yeah, it worked out great. And to, to find a, a, a primo spot like that in the middle of downtown LaGrange was, was really great. It, 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 it's a huge key to the, the successes we've been having, so for sure. Oh, yeah, there's there's absolutely no doubt um, that mm -hmm. it is. Because, I, like I said, when I went there, I remember the first time I knew of it, but I didn't know you were open yet. And I was driving down LaGrange Road, and I knew Wild Monk across the street. I'd been there a while, a couple times having beers. Uh, and I looked and I saw the garage door open. I said, okay, I got to go and turn the corner and look for a parking spot and went in. And I think that's 
that's something that draws people in. Plus, you see people sitting outside enjoying themselves. You want to go in and see what's there. Patio season has been great. Um, we, you know, I think it runs April through November officially in in, in the village. And uh, yeah, having the, those tables out there, the garage door open, it's like it's like moths to a flame. People walking down the street who had no no plan to stop anywhere for a beer or or lunch, uh, they walk by and you just see them like crane their neck and and then <laughs> the, the hard turn in and, and check it sure. out. Sure, it's been that way, yeah. Yeah, and it's uh, you walk in, it's a nice, a nice, clean place, really lovely looking inside. Um, it's the first brewery in Lagrange. I know that there's going to be another one in Lagrange Park, but I don't know. There's still any other ones in Lagrange's, are there? No, no, we're definitely the first one in Lagrange, and then Hop District will be uh, in Lagrange Park, just down the road from us. Um, Jim Koblish, there is he's a great brewer, good guy, friend of mine. So uh, I, I wish them luck. It's going to be awesome to have. Uh, a brewery even closer than Buckle Down is. So they're between them and the Imperial Oak and Brookfield. Uh, we have all those guys right in our backyard all together. It's going to be uh, pretty sweet. It's so funny, too, because I talk, tell people all the time, we've talked about it a lot here on the podcast, but I've never seen a business where everybody wants people to succeed. And it's like, it's crazy because if you guys are around, if you see one brewer, there's usually four or five brewers sitting together, either yeah. just enjoying beer or talking about beer. Yeah, I was just in Denver over the weekend for the Craft Brewers Conference, and I, you know, I flew out and shared a hotel room with Steve Miller at Hailstorm. He's one of my best sure. friends. Yeah, we're all, we're all in cahoots with each other for sure. Yeah, and it's great, and everybody wants the other people. And it seems like over the last, I don't know if it's because of COVID, but it seems like over the last couple of years, year and a half, two years, there's been more collaboration beers than there's ever been. Is that just me, or is it you think that's true? Uh, a little bit of both and a little bit of, you know, over the last three or four years, there's double the amount of breweries, you know, that it, it, just around. Um, right. I think when I was starting out in 2013, 2014, there was like 2,000, 2,400 breweries. We're pushing 9,000 today. So Jeez. Uh, just by the sake of what's nearby. Um, and then it's all how we kind of got into it, too, was, uh, you know, someone worked for someone and went on a new place and then you just find a reason to hang out and brew beer together or different connections like that. Yeah. Okay. I, I know that you're not at rock bottom anymore, but let me ask you a question because when I would go to rock bottom, I'd say, ah, I love craft beer, but this is like, they don't really seem to stretch it enough. They don't really seem to, were, were you given set recipes or were you able to do some of the things you wanted to do when you were at rock bottom? hundred percent all the freedom I could. My cold recipe, my light lager recipe, like I, I started those there. Um, no, I mean, just like any, the only constraints they gave us was, you know, budget and sure being very corporate minded in that, uh, in that way. But I just had to brew something light, something wheat, you know, malty, something hoppy, a dark beer, and then whatever else I wanted. But there was very little, uh, input beyond that. I had you know, run a few recipes by the the regional brewer after the first two or three of those, I just was on my own and like he, sure. he had pretty full confidence in me. So uh, yeah, yeah no, it, that was the best nice. part was it, that was the hardest part was trying to tell that story to people who came in and to tell the story who the people that weren't there yet to get them to come in that each location has its own brewer, its own beers, and we have a hundred percent freedom. Some people maybe coasted a little bit and took it easy. Some like I tried to stay relevant and current and, you know, I was brewing hazy IPAs. That was one of the first 
of the rock bottoms in the area to try those and, and, mm-hmm. and you know, brewed IPAs for the, you know, six weeks that that was a cool thing. Um, but yeah, they, it was a great experience in that regard was having, you know, a facility and like a built-in set of regulars. The building was there for 20 years when I got there. Uh, sure. So there was a lot of people who came in and, and to see them get excited over my beers then was, was pretty fun. To no, it had to be great. Is there, is there water? Around and, and come visited me at, at Milk Money now. So it, sure. it's pretty neat. Are there a couple, are there a couple, I mean, when you walk into a place, um, what are you looking for? If you're going to sit down, will you have anything? What is your favorite kind? Man, you know, the answer I give to almost any question about beer is it depends because it just depends on the mood, the season, the time of day, what, you know, if I'm hungry. Uh, but for the most part, I sit down and I, I order some sort of light beer, light lager, something that is going to low ABV, uh, maybe a session IPA or something like that. Just, uh, I only have one speed of drinking, so it's, it's <laughs> so it's, it's whatever I can, you know, if one turns into two, turns into four that I can, you know, get up and walk away from it. But, sure. Sure. I know. I, I went to dinner. I was talking earlier. Mm-hmm. I went to dinner. I had a, uh, I had a Bell's Oktoberfest and I had a uh, Metropolitan Kolsch and now I'm drinking a hot butcher ocean key. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, but yeah, I, I answered the question the same way. I mean, every once in a while, I might be interested in one of the bourbon counties I have in my fridge, or or something like that. And uh, yeah, it, it's weird, but it it I think it gets that way, especially once you get to know the people in the brewery industry. It's like, okay, let me try this, and let me try this, and they're coming out with this. I know that um, I got it written down here. Um, Buckle down and noon whistle are coming out with a new rye IPA. Um, coming out either later this week or next week, and that's something like boom, I want to try that because I've been to both of those places. And I know, I know those guys, and I want to make sure I try those and check it out. Um, the list that you have here, a lot of people, you've got. Uh, I looked online earlier today, and there's eleven, I think. Sounds about right. Do they ask you, or <laughs> is this just like you say? Listen, let's let's make sure we have a bunch. Uh, a bunch of different styles because I've always wondered why don't you just have like six or eight and because I've been to some places they have 12 I asked one guy he said well the guy had 12 taps so I had to have 12 beers so how do you work it there I've I've kept them full for a while uh we you know summer it got to me uh space is the biggest reason too Um, I just don't have enough room to easily make that much uh again time it's just me um, but yeah, no, that, you know, 10 to 12 is a good sweet spot. Uh, I know you can go to some of those places that'll have, you know, 24, 48 beers on and sure. then you just get paralyzed by choice. It's just a little bit too much when you have like six different IPAs and like, I don't know how you can tell the difference at that point, but, uh, you know, I, I like that 12 ish range plus or minus a few, you know, uh, that'll probably not be nine in a few days and then it'll be back to 10 or 11 sure. in a week or two. Oh, it, it kind of ebbs and flows with the, you know, just the, the flow of time, really. I talked to uh, Paul and Emily Slayton from uh, Skeleton Key and asked them how they come up with the names of their beers. And they're like big Doctor Who fans. They're a bunch, mm-hmm. they come up with a lot of weird different things. I'm looking at yours. You got Tethered Sun, Plaid Shorts, uh, Funny Money, uh, Queen Takes Pawn, which I had when I was there. And I really liked it because I really liked the English style pub ales. And awesome. yours was really good. Um nice. Pause button, vibrant. How do you come up with the names? 
they're all different ways. Sometimes there's a story. Sometimes there isn't. Sometimes it's what happens on a brew day. Sometimes it's this, that, or the <laughs> other thing, right? You know, pause button is a nice 5%, you know, pale ale. It's real easy to drink. Just hit the pause button and go with it. Um, I don't know. Like, there's a little bit of everything. Like, funny money is a, a kettle sour, and our name is milk money, so I got to cheat and use that somehow. So. <laughs> That was an well, easy and, one. And, and it, Vibrant is the little slogan that's hanging on the, the flags uh, all up and down the Grange for downtown the Grange. It's Vibrant is their little slogan. So that was low-hanging fruit for me, so I grabbed it. The, um, the milk stout is just called Milk Money. Now, did that have to be a special thing, or did you think of that all along, that it's going to be the, the name of the place? Uh, well, the name of the place came with the beer was just an easy way to use it. A milk okay. stout, wanted to do that. Uh, milk money, the, Matt and Lucas had that name uh, ahead of time. Uh, there's a, a few different stories out there as to what they say it is. Depends on the time of day, I think. So it, it's kind of fun that it, it changes all the time. But the gist yeah. of it was, it took them a while to, to do this and scrape together all their milk money and then finally open a brewery. When, when you go in on a daily basis or when you're sitting around and trying to think of something, I mean, is there... Is there a different way to go? I mean, there's so many different styles right now. I'm just looking here. Kolsch, Hefeweizen, Kettle Sour, Oktoberfest, American Pale Ale, a Hazy IPA, um, West Coast, uh, West Coast Double, Milk Stout. Is there, another, is there another place to go? Is there somewhere else you can go after this? I just keep going down the same paths. I can do, you know, um, like I said, an Imperial Stout. Uh, I've got just an American Wheat Beer coming up this weekend. Uh, is the 75th annual Lagrange Pet Parade? Sure, it's kind of the beer sure. deal goes down there. So I, I've made a beer. I called it Claws and Paws, uh, and so I'll be releasing that in cans and and uh, on draft at, at the uh, the restaurant on Saturday. So that'll be a a fun thing. But uh, you know, just a little bit of everything. I'm going to keep playing around with uh, you know different hop combinations and IPAs. Um, I don't know. You know, it, it, it all depends. When I was, uh, I tell this story all the time. I was telling someone the other day, um, when I was in high school and all my friends were going to junior college, I, and then when I was in high school, I graduated in 75. So you probably weren't even born yet. Uh, you were well beyond. So, um, but I realized I never wanted to take math or science again. And then years later, my wife was a director of guidance at Hinsdale Central. And I said, you know what? I've gotten to meet a lot of these, these brewers at Goose Island, and a bunch of other places. And math and science is so important. It would be great if you could bring a brewer in for career day. And she goes, I don't think that would work at the school. <laughs> but that's really important, isn't it? I mean, the, the math and science, it, when you're brewing and doing stuff, it's very technical because I try to tell people, and most of the brewers I talk to, I think all of them, they all agree. You know, we all grew up drinking Miller Lite, Bud Light, whatever it was, Budweiser. Those are the hardest beers to make consistently because they got to be exact. Same way every single time, every day. When you got when you're making a beer, you say, "Okay, I want to change things." You give it another name. You can pop something else in it. Um, it it's just weird. But how? When you first got into it, did you? Was it difficult? Or do, do you have a math and science background? I mean, how'd that work? I mean, I did a lot of math. I, I my degrees are in economics, so I, I did a lot of math and statistics. But uh, this, and then with the science, it happens whether you know about it or not. It helps sure. be better if you do know. Yeah. Uh, no, when I just first started homebrewing. I just went off the deep end. I, uh, I just read every book I could find. Back then, there was, you know, internet forums, uh, podcasts. Um, 
it was a, a pretty deep dive I took and just brewed a lot. Practice makes sure. perfect, right? So, sure. You know, well, it's like golfing, right? You know, how many people say like, oh, I golf a lot or I've been golfing for 30 years, you do two rounds a year, you're terrible, right. you know, but if you're golfing, you know, twice a week for 30 years, you're probably, probably okay. Probably on yeah. tour. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You would think, right? Yeah. No, that's cool because it, it's very interesting because a lot of people you'll go in and see there and a lot, of, I think everybody I've talked to was a home brewer first. And they did something. And I said, you know, there was a year where one year for Christmas, I got one of those bags. It was a bag. You put the water in, you put it in the corner and you waited and all the other stuff. And that's how it started. And then a while ago, there were some other things in boxes and stuff. But there's a whole different way of going. I know there's stores that just specialize in the equipment for home brewing. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, sadly, we just lost one of the best ones around. Uh, uh Chicago beer Brewer, Chicago Jesus I can't say Brew Works. Yeah, Brew Works. Yeah. <laughs> One of my best friends' places. I was there on his last day. Uh and it was hard to say. Uh but Brandon Wright, who's workforce brewing out in Plainfield, uh, they had a great homebrew shop that uh a lot of brewers came out to to like pay their respects because we all uh couldn't have gotten here without him and, and the things that he did. Uh and then there's a handful of others around. Uh I used to I think he's moved now to Villa Park, uh, but Chicagoland Winemakers used to be in Elmhurst, maybe. I used to work okay. in Elmhurst, and it was right at North, and it's somewhere in Villa Park now, but Kyle over there is a great dude. Uh, and then there's a couple other brew, uh, brew shops around and online places and all that. So, yeah, there was a lot, a lot of resources for that. People have asked me numerous times. They said, you love beer so much. Why don't you try doing it at home? I said, okay, first of all, why would I – in my opinion, waste my time when I can go. There's so many great ones popping up. And I could, from where I'm at in Downers Grove, there's so many within, if you go five miles around, I can oh, hit, yeah. I can hit 10, maybe. Easily. And um, yeah, and, and there's no reason because you guys are all making such great stuff and so many different options. Like I said, uh, 11 different of yours. I go to um, Black Horizon or somewhere like that, Miskatonic and all the other things. There's so many great breweries around and you guys are working so hard and making such great beer. Um, it's wonderful. So you, you've got the beer coming out for the pet parade. Paws and claws, claws and paws. Claws and paws. It'll be Saturday okay. the 18th. Yeah. And then you have, I think it's the 30th is your Oktoberfest dinner. Now, uh, what is that? And at, at, at how... <laughs> And how do people get involved in that? Do you just look it up online and get in yeah, touch with you guys? Um, I'm not sure if the reservations are through talk, uh, uh, but you'll, it's a, it'll be a ticketed event. Uh, I don't know if we'll have 40 or 50 seats. Uh, I know the last couple that we did, we did sell out. So uh, it'll be a, a great time. But check out uh, on Facebook or Instagram. There should be a link for the event. Um, it's milkmoneybrewing.com or milkmoneybrewing app for all of the social medias right. and all that. Um, but yeah, it'll, it'll be a, a great time. And I know that you just got back from Denver. You said there was a brewing conference, but it was also the Great American Beer Fest, right, this past weekend? It was. Thanks for rubbing it in. Then I came back empty-handed. That's cool. <laughs> well, I mean, Illinois, Illinois, Illinois had 16 winners, 16 yeah, medal amazing. winners. That was yeah, pretty cool. Lot, yeah. But the other thing I wanted to ask you is, I mean, I've been to Beer Fest here. I mean, I, remember, I know my first one I went to was in the Grand Ballroom at the Union Station. Um and some of the people from the Illinois Craft Brewers Guild got mad at me because they said, hey, listen, that's not san- we don't we don't sanction that one. So don't go to that one anymore. And I've been to Beer Under Glass. And I've been to Full Bab and a bunch of other things. But if you're a beer fan, is 
I can't even imagine three days at the Great American Beer Fest. It's got to be crazy. Well, this year there was no festival for that. Um, okay. Uh, the, the awards happened, but the, the actual fest uh, two years in a row now uh, has not happened. Uh, but I've been in the past, and it is it's crazy. It's massive. It's just so much beer to be had. There's such a big space, so many people. It, it's such a fun time. Um, and again, like a lot of, from the brewer side of things, it's always fun to just pal around and visit with other sure. brewers and other friends like that, and and see what they've got going. And the the beers that we try, you know, not always the ones that there's the long lines for. It's the you know, they're like, oh, you should check this one out. You know, sure. Um, but yeah, no, um, beer fests are fun, but the, the Great American Beer Fest is is unlike any other I've ever been around. Well, I went online and they're planning on having it next year from October 6th through the 8th. And uh, I may actually be in, at Oktoberfest in Munich then, so I may miss it next year, but it's, it's on my list. I got to get there. So I would take Oktoberfest over a beer fest any day. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was supposed to go a couple of years ago. It got canceled. I, and I told the person, I said, listen, it's been going on forever. I'll go next year. And two years in a row now, it's been canceled because of COVID and everything else. So um, so if anybody's in the area, anybody's in LaGrange, stop on over. Milk Money Brewing, um, great food, great beer. And um, say hi to Eric. Apparently, from what you, you tell me, you're there all the time. So I'm there during the week, during the day. You know, I try and punch a clock just like everyone else and uh, go home and see the, the, the wife and kids and uh, have their weekends off. But uh, yeah. sometimes see, if there's work to be done, I'll be around. Again, I, I got to go back because when I was reading the names off the uh, offline today. Uh, the Queen Takes Pawn was one of the three I had the day I was there. And I don't know what it is, but I've always liked the uh, English uh, style pub ales. And um, it's it's really good and uh, really good and easy to drink, which can be scary at times. Uh, sometimes I got to bring someone with me because yeah, they go nice down one. very well. It's nice and malty, a little bit of fruity yes. hop. And, and, yeah. yeast, and it's uh, it's just really easy to drink. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. Eric, I appreciate you jumping on for a few minutes. Uh, I, I plan on seeing you guys soon. I almost came out there this afternoon, but uh, one of these days I'll work it out and get out there soon. I'll say hi. Let me know. I missed you that, that first time. I, yep. I like five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I think I saw, I think I saw Lucas that day. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't say hi. I don't like dropping my name, but Lucas goes, you're Fred, aren't you? And so, yeah, so I, I kind of knew, but uh, that was fun. It was a great meal. I sat at the bar, had a couple of beers, and everybody there was having a good time. So that's awesome. what you love seeing. You texted me that, that they knew you were over there. So, yeah. Eric, cool. appreciate it. Have a good night. You too, man. Cheers. Thanks. Eric Pizer from Milk Money Brewing. And uh, if you get a chance, it's great. The food is great. Um, when I was there sitting at the bar, there were people at, um, at tables, there were little kids at the tables, uh, older people, younger people. The food is great. The beers are tremendous. Uh, stop on by. Say hi to Eric if he's there. Um, the brothers do a great, great job. It's a fun place, really fun place to be at. Um, usually I do a What's Up Fred's Camp, but I railed so much about Eddie Jackson. I don't think I have to do one this week. But I do want to say a couple things. Um, I did mention more beer stuff. I know they can never have enough beer stuff. I mentioned it with Eric. But Buckle Down Brewing and also Noon Whistle Brewing, they have a collaboration beer called Chumminess. Chumminess. And it's a rye IPA. It's coming out later this week. I'm not sure if it's Friday or Saturday. If you follow Buckle Down or Noon Whistle, check it out. Um, pumpkin beer is coming out all over the place. All these different breweries have pumpkin beer. 
I don't know about you. I don't drink coffee, so I'm not a pumpkin uh, latte guy. I don't like pumpkin in my beer. Uh, I know there's some people that make really good pumpkin beers. People tell me that's okay. I don't need it. Um, open bottle in both Tinley Park and Lockport. Patrick Bish was on with us earlier this year on the podcast. They started taking orders. They're the first ones I've seen. They started taking orders for their beer advent calendars. Now, the beer advent calendar is a box with 24 beers in it. December 1st, pop the hole, drink the beer. Second, same thing. It's just like when you were a kid and you had chocolates, but this is much better. Uh, 24 beers, uh, and it stops on Christmas Eve night. And it's wonderful. And Open Bottle has $99 for the 24 beers. It's beers from the area. And there's also a coupon in there. So you can go on into Open Bottle afterwards and use your coupon to buy some more beer. So check it out at Open Bottle, either Tinley Park or Lockport. Uh, They do a great, great job. And real quickly, I wanted to mention and give some kudos to people out there. And... um, because they did have the Great American Beer Fest, I've never been there. And it's a three-day thing, and usually it's packed. And like Eric mentioned to us, they don't um, – they haven't had it the last couple of years because of COVID, okay? And there were 16 breweries from Chicago that came away with medals, and that's amazing. I'm sorry, Illinois, not just Chicago. So I want to run down a couple of them, Okay. Uh, a silver medal, the tribe's beer in Mokina for a um, country Belgian style American pale ale. Alarmist Brewing had one. Goose Island wins for Matilda. If you're a Goose Island fan, you've seen Matilda. Short Fuse Brewing in Schiller Park won for a couple of beers. Uh, they got a silver for Vocal Jam. It's an experimental beer. And they also got a silver for Tropical Hurt Locker, which is a fruited American sour. They also won for the 2001 or 2001 to 5,000 Barrel Brewery and also uh, Brewer of the Year. So, so that's pretty cool. Very, very cool for them. We had a, uh, a message. Someone wanted to know about what I thought about the fire playing at the 29th at uh, SeatGeek Stadium a game because the Bears are uh, not wanting them to play there. So uh, what kind of reception will the fire get? I don't know. I'll be there hoisting a beer or two. They serve really good 16-ounce beers in cans there. Um, The fire's playing like crap. I watched the game the other day on uh, Saturday night. They they gave up two goals in the first six minutes. In soccer, it's like, okay, why am I watching the rest of the game? I watched the next uh, 84 minutes. And they lost 2-0. Um, other winners, Will County Brewing out in Shorewood, if you've ever been there. Bam Bam Loves Pebbles. It's a fruit wheat beer. Really, really good. That won an award. It won a gold. Um, there were also, let me see, other golds. Deadhead IPA Series from Tour Bus at uh, Distill Brewing in Normal, Illinois. They also got a bronze for their Haze of the Dead, uh, a Juicy and uh, Imperial IPA. Distill Brewing, I went to one of their brew, their brew fests or beer fests, and Distill is really known for their sours. You can find a sour from Distill Brewing in Normal, Illinois, and they were sampling at one of the beer fests, and I said, do you have any of your sours? And they go, no. I said, they go, would you like one of these? I said, no. 
I like your sours and you don't have any, so I'm not going to have them. But now I got to try their IPAs because they're winners. Pollyanna won. They got a gold for Roselle Red. Roselle Red um, in the uh, Pollyanna out in Roselle, uh, a Vienna style lager. So uh, you can go to um, go to look at that. But 16 medal winners from Illinois. And that's very, very cool. Let's see here. Uh, well, I bet the over, so that's not good when there's 10 minutes to go in the second. And there's only 7 nothing in favor of the Ravens. Um, I'm going to watch some football, maybe have another beverage. Um, so I appreciate you jumping on. Thanks to Eric Pizer from Milk Money Brewing. And if you get a chance, stop on over there. The food is great. The beers are great. And um, it's a wonderful place. I'll be back next week. But also, don't forget, on Saturday, if you can't make it out there, we'll be doing a podcast. Me and Fat Mike will be doing one. Three o'clock, we'll be over at Nick and Ivy Brewing, one of our sponsors. And they already have a Fat Mike Log Fat Mike Lager. Now they have the Hubner, an American IPA. And they're releasing it. Uh, it'll be on tap on Friday. We're going to have uh, a bunch of it in cans on Saturday. Come on out. Try the beer. Say hi to me and Fat Mike. We'll be there having a good time on the podcast, no doubt talking bears and bitching and moaning about the way they're playing and getting ready for the game against Cincinnati. So thanks a lot for joining in tonight. Uh, hope you have a wonderful, wonderful Monday night. Don't worry about it. It's only football, okay? The bear, your life doesn't depend on the Bears winning or losing, as long as you don't gamble that much. So have a great night. Have a beverage or two. I got at least one more coming up. Uh, thanks for jumping on in here on Hubes Views and Brews. Thanks.